Hey there, thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, Backlot Studio and Workspace. Backlot is located in a beautiful, repurposed, historic warehouse in the near south side of Fort Worth. Backlot has designed their co-working spaces with the creative professional in mind. With your Backlot membership, you'll find yourself working among other talented individuals that work with digital agencies, production companies, and independent films right here in the DFW area. In addition to private workspaces and a co-working lounge, you'll get access to shared amenities such as call booths, conference rooms, and a 4,000 square foot soundstage that is perfect for filmmaking, photography, and events. Get more information and schedule a tour online at backlotfw.co. You're listening to Gather, a podcast by Fort Worth Locals about the people and businesses that make up our city. We're your host, Javier. And I'm Matthew. Today, we are speaking with Holland Sanders, owner of Holland Collective here in Fort Worth. Her company is a full-service communications agency that has worked with many local businesses in the DFW area. Holland is a graduate of UTA, and we pick up today's episode with how she got her start and what led her to launch Holland Collective. Yeah, and UTA was a, a, a pivotal moment for you, right? So you went to TCC, you had a few years in between where you learned a lot about yourself. School of Hard Knocks. School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> um, and if you want to get into that more, sure. feel free. If not, we can we can just talk about UTA. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to hit a couple of the, the high points of UTA, including Mike, uh-huh. um, that's gotten to you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned that I moved out to LA, so the kind of quick summary is graduated from high school, went to TCC, finished my associate's degree in art. I thought I wanted to be a theater teacher. Um, Did a little substitute teaching, quickly realized I did not want to be a theater (laughs) teacher. Um, And just not, not, I I wasn't made of the right grit maybe for uh, teenage hormones. So I um, took a really kind invitation from um, my theater teacher from high school to move out to LA. I did that for two years, so now at this point I'm, like I said, nearly 23. Moved back and um, having been brought up in a really um, low income kind of uh, environment, I had this idea that I needed money to feel fulfilled. And so I quickly went into the only thing I really knew, which was bartending and waiting tables. It's what I'd been doing my whole life to pay for TCC before, to be able to live day in, day out in LA. And so my world started swirling in Dallas and it was, you know, a really interesting and and trying time for me. Um, As a woman in that environment, it's really unhealthy and it was really, I don't know, it, it was really not the woman that I wanted to be, but it, I think, gave me the perspective that I needed to see now how success looks in the way that I want it to look. And so um, I was spiraling down in a way that led me to UTA. So I had, you know, gotten very caught up in the Dallas bar scene. I was, you know, making a lot of money, but spending a lot of money and, you know, just getting in the churn and had a realization moment that was really kind of traumatic for me and in that moment I woke up the next day and said basically what the fuck am I doing you know this is my life and I'm now 26 years old and I am nowhere that I wanted to be when I started and that is devastating 
And, um, but in that, that moment, you know, I was, had my own apartment. I was paying all my bills. I was doing all the quote unquote grown up things you're meant to do, the things that measure success. And I had a really hard conversation with self. And I, um, talked to my parents who unfortunately couldn't help me financially to go to school, but they opened their doors and said at you can live with us anytime, as long as you want. This is a safe space for you to kind of heal and re reassess what I wanted for myself. And so um, at that point, with all the, the car and the house and the things, I, I just kind of put it all to the side and said, I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to do this. You know, there's not going to be somebody that's going to swoop in and take care of me. I don't want that. You know, I always joke, but the quote from, uh, from Cher, which is, you know, your mom always wants you to marry the rich man. And she says, mom, I am the rich man, <laughs> you know, like hearing that. And you're like, yes, girl. Yes. And so, um, I decided to go back to school. So I walked through the doors of UTA and I thought I was going to get an art degree because at that point I'd been doing some photography. I was really feeling like, okay, I, I I'm going to do this thing. I have enough that I'm bringing to the table that I can be I can be great. And I walked in and the counselor said to me, well, you don't have enough credits, so it's going to take you three years to graduate. And I was like, no, like you don't understand. I'm changing my life and I need you to like get on this journey with me. And she was like, girl, I cannot help you. And uh, she said, but what I can do is looks like from your um, transcript that you have a lot of credits in you know, speech or communications. Um, as you remember, I was going to be a theater teacher. So I had kind of front loaded a lot of public speaking and um, English classes and things like that. And so um, I walked across the hall, down the steps, and I went to the communication school at UTA. And they looked at it and said, you know, you'd be great at public relations. And I looked back and said, I don't know what that is. So I literally started a degree in something I had no idea what it was, but someone said to me, I think that this is where the magic is and you just don't know it. And then two years later, I graduated from UTA. Um, I had some incredible experiences there, really amazing professors, people who gave me a lot of time and attention and opportunity. Um, I also found it a great gift to be an older student. Um, I was very dedicated, especially an older student paying it all by themselves because, you know, every dollar that you're sliding across that counter um, automatically is so much more of your personal investment. And so I, in my very last semester, um, I was interning for the Modern Museum of Art, um, which is great because now we're partners and I've worked, um, you know, with some projects with Kendall and Dustin. And so it's, it's fun to see that I was there under their tutelage at one point. And um, so I was already kind of getting out into Fort Worth just a little, even though I'd never been here. And right before I graduated, as you mentioned, I did meet my partner. So um, my boyfriend and I have been together almost 10 years and we met my final semester in college, which, you know, Matthew brings that up because all of that was a very pivotal moment. I was finishing this final chapter of something I'd been working for almost a decade, and I was shedding the skin of the woman I didn't want to be anymore, and I was not knowing it at the time, meeting probably the most influential person in my life, and then right after, I mean, I graduated, and I got a job in Fort Worth, and then everything since then has changed, so, wow. yeah. Um well, at UTA, you met uh, a professor by the name of Mindy Whittier. Uh -huh. 
um, she seems to have had a big impact in your life as well. What what did she do for you? You know, it was crazy because, um, you know, I like I had said, I was brought up in a household with a lot of learning and love, but not a lot of education. And most of the women in my family, because of just their natural socioeconomic state or the emphasis on education, didn't really have careers. They had jobs, but they didn't really have careers. And they worked hard to make beautiful things happen. Um, but their primary focus was on children. And I think most women, um, especially most women my age, have seen women having to choose one or the other. You know, you can be a mom and a great mom, and those of us that have had them are so lucky. And um, Or you can be a great career woman, but you have to make a choice. And, you know, at that kind of 26, 27-year-old mark, when I met Professor Whittier, um, that was a moment where I saw a woman who had chosen a career, had become very successful in her career, and had equally chosen um, to have children. And it was, you know, a little bit of a light bulb for me that if I was committed to wanting both, that I could have both. And although I don't have children yet, that is something that is in the cards, hopefully, for the future. Um, I, I know that I'm designing my life to be able to be the kind of woman that can have both and hopefully inspire other women to, to see that it's possible. Well, I think that brings us to one of the main topics that we want to talk about, which is the business you're running, which is Holland Collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you graduated, you were 26, 27, uh, which put you a little bit older than most students who are graduating at that time. And you weren't jumping right into starting your business. How did you get into beginning your career? Sure. So I graduated at 27. And I'm very open about that because I've experienced so many people who feel like I did where they're behind. And to know that I started my career at 27, graduating from college. And at 36, I've now owned my own business for three years for the people that want to know that and the people that can identify with that, I, I always want to put that forward because if I had seen some of that, I think I might have been a little more encouraged when I first started. Um, but it, it did light a really intense fire under me. So knowing that I was nearing upon 30 and hadn't even started what I would consider my actual career, I definitely felt a little behind. And so I kind of approached my career at this same, you know, um, intensity that I did college, which was all in, very dedicated, really um, hungry for opportunity and for knowledge. So when I graduated from college, it was the worst economic time. It's 2009. And so getting a job was just getting a job. You know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, picky uh, attitude about any of that. So um, I'd mentioned previously that I had a relationship with one of my professors, um, Mindia, and she uh, had maintained some of her relationships in the Fort Worth work kind of scene for um, PR professionals. And so my first job opportunity was at an advertising agency here in Fort Worth. However, it was not in PR. So it was in media buying and planning, which for a lot of people, sounds like what kind of job do people do but basically when you see an advertisement place somewhere someone like me in that role would have taken a client's budget um, done some research and then placed an ad based on what I deduced from that research that was the best position why that kind of made sense was at the essence of PR 
strategy is involved. And so I was able to use something I'd learned in school and quickly implement it into something that was very unknown for me. So I stayed in that job for two years, but I knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do on two different points. One, it wasn't in PR. And two, it wasn't fulfilling personally. Um, There were a lot of great clients there, but I really wanted to get back to the idea of art and culture and people. And I was always degrees of separation from people at that point because in an agency setting, a traditional agency setting, um, the only people that really interact with the client are the account executives and everybody else just takes all of the uh, orders from them to execute based on conversations you're not privy to. And so I felt a little disconnected. It just wasn't the right fit for me. Great agency, great experience, but not, and actually that experience is what helped me get my second job. So um, then I had a colleague who knew I was on the low low looking for a job, and he actually recommended Fort Worth Opera. And I thought, oh, cool. Okay, performing arts, check. Um, Position in marketing and PR, check. Opera, I've never heard an opera. Like, I have no clue what that is. I mean, like, that was so out of the sphere of what I could experience as a kid. We just didn't have that opportunity. And so I went into the interview, and if you've met me, you know me, or hopefully you might learn a little bit just from hearing me today, is I'm pretty upfront. I'm pretty tell it like it is. And so I sat down and, you know, the director, the general director at the time, you know, he was doing this interview and, and I'd made it to the final two. And uh, Ooh, I know. Right, dun, dun, yeah. dun. I mean, we all, spoiler alert, we know I got the job. But, <laughs> um, but I sat down and he said, you know, well, you don't know anything about this industry. Like, why would I give you this job? And, you know, I'm like, come at me. Like, I'm good. I do this. <laughs> right. And so I said to him, I said, you know, I didn't have this opportunity as a child. It was not meant for me. You are producing something that half the world feels like it's not meant for them. I said, let me come in and change that perspective. So like my whole goal for six years was making opera cool. I don't know if you know how hard that job is. (laughs) It sounds hard. Because opera ain't cool (laughs) to most people. But like that was the job. So I did a lot of community events. I started as a marketing manager, but six months into my job, well, nine months, excuse me, nine months into my job, I had the opportunity to say yes to being the boss. I was 30 years old, um, just turned 30, so graduated 27, had a job for two years, coming into this one, and I had worked really hard to do the catch-all of everything. And so hopefully had kind of proved myself. But nine months after, whether it was out of great admiration for my work or just not wanting to do the job to go find someone else, (laughs) um, they came and sat me in a room and said, Holland, also I was probably pretty cheap at the time, um, will you take this this role? Do you feel confident? And I I will admit now, I would not in that moment, it was a fake it till you make it moment where I said, hell yes, I got this. Running a department, customer service, $5 million you know team, I've got this. And it took me about another year with a lot of mistakes to get it. But I did my best and I put my best foot forward. So six years later, I had through this make opera cool kind of attitude, I'd been really visible in the Fort Worth scene. Um, and for better or worse. But I'd been doing a lot of work trying to pull a lot of partnerships, a lot of new people. And so I um, 
I had this kind of reputation for rebranding and doing the, the company. So all the things I'd wanted to do in PR, I was able to achieve, including doing press for a world premiere, which gave me the opportunity to work with the New York Times. I worked with BBC America. I worked with, um, you know, reviewers from Canada, from um, Australia. So there are very few organizations in Fort Worth that have the opportunity to work on a international scale, especially with press. You know, you've only got a few, the Kimball, Clyburn. Other than that, there's just really not the opportunity. So um, as I was leaving the opera, um, I, I knew I was going to take another job, but a colleague of mine had reached out, and he had started his own business. And, um, and he said, would you freelance for me on a project? And I said, no, I don't freelance. Like, I have these jobs. And he said, whether this is true or not, and maybe just wanted to get me to say yes, because, you know, sweet talking always works. But he said, um, but you're the best PR person I know. And, you know, that was it. I was like, that's right. That's right. I am. No, I don't know. But, you know, it, it made me feel like, okay, somebody has confidence in me outside of like the, you know, the kind of institutions I've been in, and they see this ability for me to help them shine. And so I said, yes. And it was easy. And it made sense. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the things that come natural that you find success very quickly are probably things you were meant to do um, because they just lock into place. And so all of a sudden, I was working for this guy creating um, some great content and helping make his very local small client shine in a very big way. And he said, this is amazing. I want you to work on another project for me. And that was the moment, right, when it was like, for me I was like damn here we go again like although I appreciated the agency experience all of my superiors were men and I was always being uh, like you know delegated to and then I went to the opera that I was the only female senior leader for a large window of time and although my time there was impactful and beautiful and incredibly incredibly rich in growth and opportunities. Um, it was also some of the hardest times in my professional career um, as a woman in a senior leadership position surrounded by men who did not value my opinion. And now I was in this next step of my career and the man that was asking me to work for him is a great person and I enjoy him, but it was again, let me take your sunshine and your creative you know, contributions and put my name and my stamp and my price tag on them. And, um, and, and you should want to be grateful for that work. And you know, some people are, and that's awesome. But I think innately I'd finally found enough courage and enough confidence to say, if I can do it for you, why can't I do it for me? Why can't I make the choices? Why can't I make the decisions? Why can't I be in charge of my own fate and my own success and my own failure. And so there was that moment that was scary. So I decided I was going to start a business. And I walk in to quit my job at the opera. And I sit down with my general director, Darren Woods at the time. And he and I had gone through a very long journey together in six years. And um, in those last few years, I think he really came to appreciate my contributions in a way that I didn't necessarily feel on the front end. And so it was a hard parting of ways. And I sat down and I, and I told him, I said, I'm going to leave. And he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to do this for myself. And he said, can we be your first client? Mm. And in that moment, I didn't, I didn't realize, but it was the yes I needed 
to have the freedom I wanted. And so with that, Holland Collective, which was not named Holland Collective in the first day, but Holland Collective started in my kitchen. And I, from the very first day, um, brought someone with me. I never wanted to do this by myself. And Alex Cambora, who was my intern at the time at the opera, so I didn't steal it like a full-time employee. <laughs> you know, I didn't like really hurt anybody. Um, I brought her with me and she said yes. And I said, this is gonna be scary. That's gonna be uncharted. We've got one client and um, I've got like no money in the bank. So are you cool? And she said, yes, I'm cool. And that was in June, will be three years ago. So, um, so that's how Holland Collective started. What, what do you think has made you stand out from other agencies in DFW? Sure. I hope we're standing out. Um, and we're working really hard to um, continue to have our own voice. So there's a couple fundamental things that are different about the way that Holland Collective operates. Um, one, we do consider ourselves a creative communication agency. So in the traditional world of advertising agencies, it's a kind of an interesting pyramid that is very much front-loaded with like creative visual design and then you start getting smaller and smaller as you kind of create these add-ons which are public relations social media um, really like more of the narrative branding elements and those are not the central focus of your campaign and they are oftentimes not the thing you actually spend your money on you spend your money on all of this creative well, what I found by bo being both in an agency myself but then being in a nonprofit when I launched Holland Collective I brought some interesting perspective with me and so I worked with a client who had 20 million dollar dreams on a five million dollar budget and that was fully operational which meant the marketing PR was a very small slice of that um, and so we were expected to do very big work with very little um, but as I looked around I realized that that was not a rare thing that the majority of businesses actually had smaller budgets and wanted to do something that would connect so as so many things are simultaneously changing in the communications landscape, the way that people connect with brands, the way that um, communication and stories and brands are being delivered to people, um, for example, social media, online mediums, videos, things like that, um, the age of spending the majority of your very small budget on creative, visual creative, that then you had to spend additional money to place in the fifth largest market in the United States, which happens to be DFW, unless you had about a quarter of a million to half a million dollars, you really weren't going to make any sort of impact. You were going to spend so much money on creative, so much money on getting it placed, and that's just not real for the majority of now what we're seeing, which is small businesses and young entrepreneurs. So it just so happened that I was coming up with Holland Collective and this like kind of new way of doing things in a time where business was really reflecting that as a need. So Holland Collective is based on the narrative first and the visual second. So the way that we do business is we sit down with clients 
and we create a brand story that feels different, that feels that, that really showcases your differentiators. How do you compete? Why is why are you in a market? Like if you're a, a coffee shop, which I mean we all I'm mean, drinking my coffee right now, but like what are you offering? that is different than everyone else. It could be your background. It could be, you know, let's say you're from South America and then you're coming. And so you have this, you know, in-depth knowledge of the way that coffee beans are, you know, grown and harvested and roasted. And so you're bringing a different perspective and maybe there's even a different, you know, like flair of flavor that comes in there. So we're sitting down and we're figuring that out. But what we're doing is we're putting a pause on the visual and we're starting to make sure that everything that goes out is created with the human in mind that deep emotional connection um and i have to say that part of our superpower is that we're all women you know like women are built to listen and to understand and to accommodate needs for better or worse um that is what society has trained us so we can adjust in every environment to understand what we need to be to succeed and I do not in any way encourage that necessarily among the women on my team, but it has given us a unique perspective. You know, we we have the ability to emotionally connect. We have the ability to widen ourselves to understand people and things and, you know, the through line of how something happens. I'd like to say just as good, if not better on most occasions than, than our male counterparts. And so having a team of not just all women, but women from such diverse backgrounds, um, it has created this really interesting hive of ideas and collective among us. Um, and I will say that the last part in which we work differently is um, I'd mentioned a long time ago in this little uh, interview that um, that most agencies are built on this kind of separation marks, right? So you have uh, your accounts ex executive and then you have all the, the silos of people that report to that one person. Holland Collective doesn't operate that way. Um, instead of working on just a few clients, everybody works on all clients, but with the gift that they have best. So each person has a strong suit or even preference in the type of cre creative projects they want to work on. So, you know, we have Carol Lamb who she is incredible at social media and blogger influencer relations and and all of that so that's her job she concepts that and she works on that for every client because that's her very best so she brings her best to every client you know Alex is all about PR and strategy and so she's doing that and bringing her very best you know we work uh, Shasta's still working with us on all art driven projects so when we're doing that she has a better understanding of art than we do and then you know we have all these people that are contributing from their very best and so I think I think that makes what we're creating very different, first off, different perspectives, different offerings of services to clients. And I also think that's what makes us on the forefront of a very new communication trend. You know? You're putting the collective in Holland Collective. That's right. That's right. All right. <laughs> new, tagline. new tagline. I love it. Oh, we'll take it. Uh, so we're, uh, we're getting close to the end. So we're, we're going to start wrapping it up here. So this will be like a, a dual part question. Okay. Um, one, why Fort Worth? Mm -hmm. um, why are you growing here and what do you see as being good in Fort Worth? And where do you see Holland Collective going from here? Sure. Um, to be honest, Fort Worth at its beginning was a little of a happenstance in the sense that it was close once I graduated, had an opportunity, and had put some roots here. And so I had 
spent 10 years making friends. Like I wasn't going to like go somewhere else and like start all over when I started a business. Um, so when it, when I originally opened my doors and, and started doing this, it was because I was here. But what I really very quickly realized is that there was something happening here that felt not just unique, but that had the great opportunity and ability to help propel me so much faster. So I, we talk about this a lot at Hong Collective, like you know, among our lady team, um, because I want people to be really present. You know, I tell people all the time, we're in the middle of it right now. We're on the precipice of something big and we are part of the change. And like looking at it and seeing it, I'm sitting across the table from two gentlemen that are also a part of this creative change that's happening in a city we want to live in in 10 years. And so, you know, it started that way. But now that I'm in it, I can't imagine having a business anywhere else in the sense that I can go to any other entrepreneur and I can ask for help and people say yes. I have not heard a no or a door close when I ask for help. Um, when starting this business, when continuing this business, when dreaming even bigger than this business. Um, so I think that we have a really interesting, beautiful um, community of entrepreneurs and young creatives that are intersecting in a way that is creating very quick, very important change in this city. And I wouldn't have known that three years ago. I don't think anyone did. I mean, like, we're in it right now. Um, we're seeing things happen, like Jonathan, you know, with his new hotel and, and that that night. I mean, it was almost emotional being a part of that and standing up with him and, you know, and, you know, all these new projects that are coming to fruition or new doors that are opening for projects that we're being asked to be a part of. Um, so that's why Fort Worth. And that's why I think that the business will always have its root in Fort Worth. Um, I think that... There's just so much good here, and, and there's also a lot of work to be done. You know, I think this new, um, new class of entrepreneurs is really focused on more inclusivity, more equity among all people, um, whether that's race or gender. Um, you know, I think that there is a real, a real push for creativity to be as expansive as possible in an effort to get the very best as po you know possible. And I think everyone, at least everyone that I, in my small little bubble, um, am around, we all feel that way. And I think that's why we're seeing so much good and so much diversity, not just in people, but also in the types of businesses. Like we're seeing a lot of really cool things popping up. Um, but as for the future of Holland Collective, um, the goal is, to have little boutique agencies across the nation. It's kind of twofold. One, it's it's very beneficial to our industry. So um, I'm in the world of pitching. For those of you that don't know what PR is, we work with clients, we pitch stories to news media. So like 80% of the stuff that you see out in the world on news, someone like me did that. So a lot of people think, how does that magic happen? Well, you know, um, we pitch it. And that means we know the journalists. That means we are landing stories. But the most important, especially in this new world of journalism, where it is very sadly reducing in the number of people, um, having personal connections and being in a city to meet and mix and network is really important. And so for in the industry of public relations and marketing even, um, having small boutique agencies in a couple of key cities throughout the United States would benefit all of our clients, including our 
OG um, Fort Worth people who we think in five years are going to be national brands and incredible superstars and are hopefully going to be a part of that journey from day one to the very end. We want to stay with people. And that's a lot of our mission is to help people who are changing an industry grow and see success. And that's where we're at, you know. Um, So that's the big plan. We'll we'll see. I don't know if that's like a five-year, 10-year, 20-year goal. But but we're already looking towards that. Yeah. To stay up to date with Holland Collective, follow them on Instagram at Holland Collective or visit hollandcollective.com.